0: Hi everybody, Paul from the Data Storytellers here. Today I'm with Bojan Jurich, who's the Chief Data Officer at the City of Virginia Beach. Great to have you with us.
1: Uh, good to be here and thank you for inviting me and giving me the opportunity to share some of my experience with you.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm excited to, to take a deep dive into that. Uh, to start with, just tell us a little bit about yourself, You know, your background, what really brought you to your current role?
1: uh yes thank you uh as a matter of fact let me start like uh just to say who what i feel i am like uh, i recently read some book and uh i discovered that i'm everyday learner rather than uh lifelong learner so i'm everyday learner uh ending up in the data and analytics field since uh early 2000s not intended to be there there was no uh how to put this like um, formal education to be in the data field. So data field was kind of sitting within the business unit. So I grew up with involved in the whole this hype uh, that comes with the data, uh, ended up in computer science uh, hoping that i'm gonna do something like really kind of exciting in the software industry and ending up are uh, working on the excel uh, files for next 15 years so uh, from excel to the big data hype and all of that uh, i'm just blessed to be part of the whole uh, uh, deserve well-deserved the data uh, industry that we see today so Formal education, computer science, uh, New Jersey, Rodgers University, ending up uh, working in the sales, then marketing, uh, wherever industry was uh, uh, core competence. I'm seeing data to be uh, one of the major drivers in decision. So uh, now everybody's like, especially with the uh, growth of the digital and uh, internet, actually gave a big uh, push and uh, technology as kind of like. democratize the data in the sense uh, became uh, data became uh, almost a part of everyday's life. Uh, did I answer the question? Luke?
0: Yeah, absolutely. One thing I want, I wanted to touch on is the, the core competencies that you mentioned. Can you just dive into that a little bit? Now? What what you mean by that? Do you, do you mean data literacy in this context or, or do you mean something else? Uh, business
1: core competence? I, I was thinking mm. like, uh, let's say uh, in, in how the data works, it's almost like uh, you have a, Data in the middle of technology, technology is enabler, uh, business, like where you're making decision and people are, are they skilled in competency and literacy, if you say. But most of the business are always focusing where the core competencies. So, uh, if I'm in a sales driven industry, uh, the data on data analyst and the, the the strongest point would be either in sales, marketing, and always, I always said, like, uh, at the end, data, people live with the finance. So that was the earliest way of us uh, quantifying uh, the success. And when someone starts talking about the data numbers, they always kind of end up uh, working with the finance. So then the other competency is, let's say, if you are supply chain, uh, then the data is utilized hugely on the operational efficiency, while maybe on the sales and marketing you have two prong, like could be value add, uh, trying to leverage the data to see where you can uh, kind of add additional value in your offering. And uh, later it's, as I said, in the finance where you actually uh, work, not only from the operational efficiency, you're talking about the sanity, like how uh, ROI, everybody pulls back and sales and what's the ROI and that's where the data comes. So financial analysts are great uh, start for the data field. Uh, then uh, I'm, I don't. I don't want to like uh, uh, misrepresent the huge that we have now from the social science. But uh, the earliest form from the business, it's uh, driven from the uh, marketing, operational efficiency, from the supply chain, and
0: finance. And just moving on to your most current role, you've been with uh, the City of Virginia Beach uh, since March 2018. Uh, Tell us some of the things you're you're getting up to over there in terms of leveraging data within a, a big a big company.
1: Uh, big yes, so by, uh, yes, uh, so let me. Let me just like uh, so. Virginia Beach is the largest city in the Virginia. So uh, not lots of people know that like it is uh, almost half a million, but part of the even bigger metropolitan area called Hampton Roads. So it's uh, all together to almost two million people. So uh, really a really densely populated part of the Virginia as the whole, and we are coastal communities. So uh, we kind of like uh, enjoy uh, both like uh, nice weather and beaches that we have and I invite everybody to see and come and visit Virginia that we're trying to offer. And at the same time, uh, from the data perspective, as the Coastal community, we are really aware of the whole sea level rise and the climate change that's happening. So, where we try to leverage some data. So, I joined the city in March uh, 2018, and as a first chief data officer, so a huge challenge: 8,000 uh, big uh, people, big organization uh, with no data history or culture. So, the biggest piece of my whole work was uh, building the data-driven culture. And uh, as everybody can know, like that's not easy job. So, it takes the Whole village and uh, persistence, uh, uh, communication, uh, being uh, ready like uh, to adapt uh, to see because the, the culture cannot be changed completely. And I always said, Listen, you can build that. I, I believe it's a it's a uh, uh, culture eat strategy for breakfast. So that proves always to be true. Uh, I couldn't make any data driven strategy before I actually started influencing and uh, being the kind of like uh, uh, changing the culture, like uh, ch- change agent uh, in that sense. So changing the culture and influencing is a huge, huge uh, part and a lots of energy that I put in.
0: And and you're in quite a unique position. You know, a lot of the companies we work with, they've tended to adapt uh these kind of changes as a result of, you know, they want more money or, or they, they, they want to do better by their employees. I guess in, in government, it's, it's a little different to that. From your own experience, what were the biggest challenges of implementing, even creating this, not just implementing, but creating this data-driven culture, specifically within the city of Virginia Beach?
1: So uh, that's actually really, really now go, goes back uh, nicely to what we said with the data. People lives, and uh, when someone actually starts developing the data-driven culture, it's driven by the business core business level. So someone wants to be operationally efficient, so they start building the whole culture, and you can tie it back in the commercial sector and private sector. While in the public sector is, uh, it's uh, definitely different. And our customers are our residents. Uh, we are. We need to be more. Uh, aware how we spend the money what we cover and what we are actually offering to our residents so the stakeholder is not the CEO then you go like uh, with the stocks or if you publicly uh, um, if you're public company so you go out and, and, and measure your success through that but in our sense it's like how livable we are how much we can attract the people and lastly and I would say the most important how what is the mechanism for us to accept the feedback which is the communication and usually that comes back and forth uh, within the exchanging the data and uh, one of the first uh, uh, efforts uh, when i took the position was uh, how we can expand and populate a little bit and promote uh, the open data uh, initiatives Uh, the second one was in that open data initiatives how we can collaborate with the other uh, uh, municipalities, localities within the Hampton Road. So uh when we talk about the sea level rise, uh if you isolate your attempt in Virginia Beach, uh, how is that affecting and how is that like with the neighboring city, which is just like a couple of miles, miles from you. So uh collaboration is the huge piece and coordination among the other municipalities and all of us are somehow independent. So uh the the co- we, I always said we run the same race but not at the same pace mm-hmm. and we don't have the same priorities maybe so open data was one of the initiatives where I tried uh to include more uh to put us all on the same platform and uh we call that open city uh in that platform we start sharing uh some of the data sets so someone can actually use the data that we offer and slice and dice in the ways they prefer uh, the other one is like to be more transparent how we're spending the money so it's open out there and saying listen this is like uh, your taxpayer money this is what we get and how this we this is how we distribute this so everybody can be aware uh, where the money go. And the last piece is on the sea level rise. We inform them each. So we have the Storm Sense, uh, which is a regional effort among the five cities in the Hampton Road. And we are just showing where something is out from the sea level rise so the people can get more and more edu- educated since we are getting into more of a how we can tackle the sea level rise in next 20 years. So everybody needs to bring the awareness. And now if I talk even from the marketing uh, language is gonna be uh, building the awareness among our residents and, and, and in, this, in this form, it's gonna be customers. So they are aware what's happening. So this is the
0: first step. Yeah. And and you've brought up a lot of really interesting stuff I wanna, I wanna dive into there. You mentioned, uh, let, let's take a company like Pepsi. You know, if, you, if you're a, the chief data officer at Pepsi, it doesn't matter how many cans of Pepsi people drink, you know, you're still going to get the same salary. You might even get some of the same results. That being said, when you talk about, uh, you know, where your funding comes from, that's, that's taxpayer. Everyone pays taxes. That's a very emotive subject. And obviously we're called the data storytellers. And what what we're really interested in is some of the ways in which you can convey a strong message to your stakeholders. So with that in mind, what are some of the best practices you found with, Uh, convincing residents or convincing other stakeholders of the value of data?
1: Uh, That's a really good question. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, our budget is not like infinite. So we kind of always, like everybody else, work on the tight budget the other thing is like uh, as you mentioned in the private sector especially in the consumer package goods, especially if you ask for the budget then you deliver if you don't deliver they take in our case when we ask for the money that's kind of like uh, you asking either additional taxes which is really unpopular and most likely it's not going to happen or you working from the oper- operational efficiency so you co- cost avoidance perspective you avoid some of the costs so you reinvest your money that you had so you're trying to be operational efficient from that side from the budget perspective so that's one of the way we actually use the data to see where we need to spend some money and where we actually can modernize and if we don't provide this service because it's already a legacy service so we're going to start fading down this one because you always with the government you always have to have the couple of alternatives so the data is leveraged on this side where we can put more and start shifting let's put this way customers on one side the other is like uh, which recently happened and during some of the uh, the election that we have we have local questions asked and one of the question was like uh, one of the unpopular one raising the taxes and uh, to get the additional funding to tackle the sea level rise so that's where we actually utilize the data that's where we utilize some researchers that we had from the third party and we utilize the data to convey the message if we increase the tax for this much, which is gonna affect you this little. This is how much as community we're gonna gain uh, 10 years from now. So uh, when people do have that information, if someone is saying we're raising the taxes, you're gonna say immediately no. But if you say, I'm gonna just say 0.1 cent per thousand of real estate, which then you can calculate how much is gonna affect you, we're gonna get this much money, and this is what we're gonna do. You laid down the project. So that's what we did, and it was successful. Uh, by the way, nobody actually felt uh, any bad uh, taste with uh, raising that taxes, that little, and how much you gain, that the whole is like, uh, yes, I invest this much, what, what I'm getting, and you can, with the data, you kinda can like, can kinda like uh, picture it, or paint it, or storytelling, as we, as we say, you just tell the story.
0: And did that successful process, did that come from, you know, previously trying to say, hey, we're raising your taxes and people saying, well, hang on, get, there's this uh, there's this emotional reaction that's deeply embedded in the brain of like, that's going to affect me negatively. So I don't care about the details. Or did that come from, did you bring that to the, to the organization? It's like, okay, we, maybe we need to look at this in a different perspective.
1: So the uh, I wouldn't say that that's me. As I said, it's take the village. I I would say that the culture change over the four years that they are becoming more and more kind of prominent uh, partner in discussion. So uh, we did it all the time. Yes, we were doing this all always, and we are getting uh, some noisy. Uh, complaints and you know like a squeaky wheel gets the grease then you your question is going to be are we actually satisfying the what is for the community or only the loud ones and when you actually start leveraging the data and start pulling that out and saying okay let me see where that noise is coming uh, is that really relevant or it's just perception then you share and put that out like uh, for the consideration and all of the people start saying okay let me actually see uh how can I leverage the data and historically what's happening with the trends and all of that rather than me just being emotional and make the decision just because we always did it as you said uh some of the words have the negative connotations so the whole and 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 and, and one good example could be uh one that we had so we have those um, Uh, I wouldn't say town halls but let's call them town halls where I do have 300 plus people uh, community informal group we call it the data smart collective uh, we do have uh, I, I have my own podcast internal podcast where I'm calling the guests from the different departments just to explain what they do and how we can help how they leverage the data so one way of uh, leveraging and learning how the others are doing with the data and how we as the whole community can help them out and one of the story that comes uh, one of the biggest uh, in our case uh, users of the data are you Usually, the uh, uh, customer-facing departments, uh, such as uh, public utilities, uh, Parks and Recs, we really have huge Parks and Recs, aquarium, and all of this, because they are almost. Some of them are almost as commercial uh, businesses. So, cause we provide the services and there is some monetary exchange in that so nothing different than the the private sector so and one of the story goes how you just can change the narrative so it can change the whole perspective of the success so we had the question like how you actually measure your success Hmm. so what's the success and someone would say this number of this and this and the next question is going to be can you Make it human-centric anyhow. It's a big buzzword, but it's really tough to do. So what actually, how that affects me as the resident. So when someone is saying we actually have uh, 99 uh, sold maybe uh, passes for the uh, uh, our pools in Parks and Recs and we had like um, uh, 300 of the students uh, the uh you know those swimming classes and all of that so how is that what what that actually means so i shared the story which was really good uh, in in, in, and it kind of resonated with me uh we all had that opportunity which is really affordable in the virginia beach we have something called recreation center so you can have your kids or someone like take uh, the swimming classes and uh we try to popularize that as much as possible. So, uh, the, as coastal community, we should have. So, you know, the whole stories with the coastal communities, you always hear on the some, uh, street, uh, X, Y, uh, there is almost, uh, some, uh, uh, fatality and all of that. So, uh, there is a life, uh, concern events happening, uh, happening when you, when you live on the beach and all of that. So the, the message that we send is like, how many actually lives we saved equipping with the life-saving uh, skills someone. So it's not we skilled this. These are the people who can save someone's lives. So it's a little bit different narrative, but the, the number is the same. You just change, as you said. When you say taxes, oh my God. If you say investment in your future, it's a little bit different uh, different angle to look at it.
0: Absolutely. To get the buy-in. And, and, and you bring up human centric data this is something that 's come up on the podcast quite a lot recently and i think in 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 many ways it as you just said it, it's it 's actually more human centric for you than say a, a listed company or a private company because the the data that you maneuver and and how you you're, you're, you're putting yourself in that story is going to directly affect you know whether someone lives or dies or whether someone has access to electricity or 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 not um, which is really fantastic, and I think my next question would be. Where do you see, what character do you play in this story? Are you the disruptor, the culture changer? Are you the salesperson trying to sell data? Are you all and more of these things?
1: I, I consider more myself almost all of that, but I would say mostly like a change agent at this point. Uh, I got to the point where we are at uh, some, some uh Uh, Like almost hitting the threshold that I'm I'm feeling comfortable getting into the data-driven culture, Uh, meaning like uh, uh, the data is accepted and used in your decision-making process every day so i started with something i call purpose statements so when i build the office i the first thing we did it's like as everybody else in the private sector would do uh you know what let us actually build what we are all about uh, what uh, what are our pillars and what is the purpose statement or mission vision however we call it purpose what it's what what what's our purpose let's answer that question where you feel your role is the same as you would ask me so we said at the beginning, our is actually to promote data-driven culture at all the levels of decision-making process. So when we say at all levels, uh, the first is we said, you know what, it is not only top management and it's not only uh, people on the field. So it should be all. We had the different approach where we're going to approach to someone. And I will explain that up, but that later. And the last one was, to have the flow information as seamless as possible so we are enabler from the all technological perspective too and skills perspective Uh, from technological we start pushing a little bit more cloud since we're saying the data needs to be accessible securely from securely is the keyboard always from anywhere at any device so we already start promoting this and uh from the legacy that something is we call it on-prem that something is laying with you it's siloed to a little bit more different environment which again can sit in your home but you feel a little bit uh kind of open to share so and i made even one of the the, the kind of like uh, analogy uh, on one of the meetings promoting this just to explain it uh, we have that whole data governance kind of talk so then in data governance the first one is the data owner and i really kind of like didn't like that word honestly because when you say data owner someone actually might get the whole impression i own it and i can do with that whatever i want so then I asked the question, was like, okay, uh, let's raise the hands. Who is the homeowner over here? And you can see like 90% of the hands are up and everybody is a homeowner. And I said, okay, from now on, let's say nine months from now, even less, stop paying your mortgages. And now I'm repeating the same question. Nine months from now, you didn't pay your mortgage. How many of you are homeowners? Suddenly, you see that you, no, no not so many hands up. So I'm saying the same is with the data. You are just good trustee of that data. So you are the one who is empowering the data, you are the one, the same with the house. You keep your house clean, you fix your house. Uh, you hope that you're gonna get some equity with the house. Same is with the data. You, We are trusting you that data that you're gonna use it correctly, that you're gonna promote it, and that you're gonna take good care of that data. And lastly, I'm saying the same way as we are kind of like messing up with our neighbors when we see that they don't care Long, much, much about the house we call because uh, it kind of like uh, lower down the, the the equity on our house same is going to go with the data if I see someone not giving me or using that data properly I I would like you be empowered at least to raise that and say can we use that so to kind of democratize data as much as possible so that that's one of the part of the whole uh, the data-driven culture that takes time so Uh, to avoid and reuse the data to kind of avoid redundancy. Everybody is kind of building on their own stovepipes siloed. So that's the biggest challenge within the whole whole, uh, data-driven culture, as we said. Uh, You can be data-driven within your own department and be savvy and all of that but not outside. So that's another piece that needs to be addressed, like how we can share that across the board, what actually can be shared. So we understand not all, I, not all data is equal. So the same goes with this. So we understand their are compliance and, and all of that, but the governance needs to be put in place. Mm.
0: And I've got a ton of questions on the back of that. My first one is about the, the data owner and, and here at the Data Storytellers we like to consider ourselves as as jargon busters, as, as, as buzzword bullies, you know, we don't, we don't, and it it kind of has been caught up in this, but the way you've just digested that makes a lot of sense. And how do you break down this fit, this fear that surrounds the ownership of data? Um, You you mentioned use terms like empowerment and trustee. How do you encourage people to, to, you know, be happy about being trusted with the data? Just like, how do you convince someone that it's better to buy a house than to rent one?
1: so uh, again that comes that's a cultural thing Uh, and again it needs to be changed and and, uh, the city of virginia beach is a huge uh, as i said eight thousand people organization we have 40 departments and uh, i couldn't say that we have across the board the same culture i would say maybe yes in some sense but we have lots of mini cultures within so uh the the first step i i was doing with My folks, we we did this, and I said, listen, guys, let us actually simplify this as much as possible. I like simplicity. So if we can simplify it and be focused, then we can. I know that nothing can be addressed over the night. So we build the kind of matrix uh, like uh, X and Y where you have the influence and impact uh, scale which is pretty much, I would say, subjective at this point, because there was no, no, uh, at the moment, anything that quantifiable that we can put in some senses, especially from the influence and and impact. Everybody feels that, uh, yeah, I'm important. At the same time, yes, the things I do are important, but let's be as objective as possible. So in that scale, we put something where we actually influence people, but the things that we do are not that impactful, so then I know where we're going to focus. We're going to focus on, let's say, maybe data literacy at that point, because we can influence them. I know whatever we say, that they will be pretty accepted. So we are partners. And now maybe they're going to be more open to see and let us know what, how they can leverage data so they can see the value. And we bring them up in that quadrant where we're saying, oh, we can influence them. And we work on the impactful things so that's your uh, a customer okay on the same side we might not have influence on some departments or stuff that's really impactful then that's where i'm coming in and i'm saying listen then we need to build a relationship so there are two different approaches and how you do with any of them with a the relationship you knock at the door you introduce yourself you talk you make the relationship as informal at that point as possible then ask as the question what you can do for them i'm not telling someone what they can do on the other side you already influenced them and you can tell them oh maybe you should do this in this case you're just building the relationship and saying what i can do without any, any, I would say, at that point, uh, uh, something that can start hurting relationship because we, we all have some kind of vanity in it. So until you make the relationship, uh, that's more relationship play rather than uh, being like from the data quanti- quantifiable or impactful way uh, w- what to work on. In that case, you take whatever they feel it is important. And over the time, you might even learn why is that important and change your perspective and change that from I thought it's not impactful but now I see it is if that makes sense then you move and play uh, on that so that was the step and you kind of like uh, you you can't do all you start kind of that's 80 20 rule you you, you, I I said it's always applicable wherever you go I mean like you can't avoid it so you pick your top customers and uh, try to develop them more, but don't forget the ones that actually can become one of the top customers too.
0: And and we also believe really strongly in the 80-20 rule here. We talk about it, Laszlo and I, uh, all the time. Uh, From a cultural perspective, you mentioned that it's all to do with the culture. What do you think is the definition of data-drivenness? How do you you define that?
1: Uh, That's a really good question. I mean, like uh, in a few words, if if I can say what's the data-driven, I would say... Uh, I'm not a strong believer, too. If uh, someone is saying data driven, is the, you actually have to rely on numbers, whatever they say, blindly. I don't believe in that. I mean, maybe it's going to sound strange, but uh, uh, working with the data and miscommunication is happening. And uh, I think uh, uh, one of the statisticians uh, back uh, said that they, they are, uh, uh, statistics, uh, statistics, and them lies. So, no, it was the lies them lies and statistics something like this so the numbers can be i I, what i'm trying to say it's always used and abused pretty much so uh there needs to be some narrative behind there needs to be the context there needs to be uh some some story behind the number just not the number that someone can uh validate and resonate with them. So the data-driven culture could be uh, somewhere where they strongly on the about the numbers, and they're just saying, you know what? We outsourced all our, all our decisions to uh, some uh, machine because everything is so clear. You have yes, no. It's uh, so simple. You just put a couple of statements, and down the down the road, uh, your decision is made. Absolutely, there are a couple of these that I absolutely. say that's the best you can do but on the other side you have to see the risk and the cost of those decisions if i can afford the risk and cost that's where i would go and that would be part of the data driven culture too at the same time somewhere where we have the huge cost and a huge risk the data driven would be how much data we can real data and good data we can leverage to open up discussion not to make the decision how much to inspire the people actually to critically thinking and question. So if that makes sense.
0: No, that, that makes perfect sense. And it, it ties nicely into uh, my next question, which would be about specifically within government organizations. You know, what do you think about the state of the, um, that industry, so to speak, and in general, the progress of data-driven transformation within, the, you know, let's say, the wider government sphere?
1: Uh, I think uh, I, I'm kind of like recent government employee. I used to work for the private companies all my life. And as a matter of fact, the first uh, chief data officer that government uh, over here, local government uh, hired. Uh, the the, And uh, I would say I had some kind of like uh, prejudice so that the government and how that works and especially working in the government contractor before. So basically uh, I am uh, more than pleased how government moves uh, from the administrative perspective I always thought the government is slow because I didn't understand why uh, the government and not being uh, kind of as agile as the other organization and bureaucracy heavy bureaucracy it's by the nature you have to serve equally as many people as possible and there is no preferential system so that makes you completely inefficient uh, if someone thinks uh, that uh, government needs to be completely efficient, then uh, they should be there should be then preferential uh, kind of like uh, treatment for some cause. That's how the private organizations uh, are efficient. But for the government, this needs so. From that perspective, I understood complexity and why is that. The second, especially with the technology and everything, for the government, many of the things. Uh, uh, bleeding edge technology is not accessible and uh, for the sense of uh, complying with the other, other uh, any compliances that can, might come with the government. So uh, on that, again, we are limited with the, with the uh, what's happening and how progressive private sector is coming cause the risk is again, needs to be less than, than. so more risk-averse from that side. Having said that, when you take all of that, I would say the government, uh, especially local government, uh, and I have friends with the state level, it's uh, moving uh, surprisingly fast, based on the constraints that we faced as 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 the organizations uh, from skill level to technology and how many people and how we need uh, to to serve. So from that perspective, and especially with the data I'm seeing, really nice uh, advance. Many of the organizations already recognize that the data is kind of like uh, becoming the the part of the everyday decisions. I always said government is not an Especially when we talk about many things and people are kind of freaking out, I'm saying the government is not in the business of exploiting your data. The, the data comes as the news product of the things we do with the citizens, but not the ones that they are exploiting. The, uh, why the government needs so so, so much and such data? I mean, like I'm saying, listen, guys, you gave up way more data on your social media than we will ever collect. So. Uh, I don't know why they're freaking out. I, I think the the books that we had and the uh, some, uh, you know, Big Brother kind of stuff, uh, it's tied to government, but people forget that actually the, the, the commercial sector might be the one uh, leveraging the data way, way more from that personalization perspective. So privacy versus personalization at this point. In our case, we always go more on the privacy. We protect our residents as much as possible, but at the same time, that hurts the service that we're taking again As people can understand, we need we we have like a wide variety of residents or customers to serve, so we need to serve everybody equally.
0: And that's super interesting because as an outsider, and I don't want to lead the witness too much on this next question, but the perception of a civil servant or or a government worker is that it's it's like covered in red tape and they're they're lazy and they're not invested in their role. Absolutely, and 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 I don't think, especially with you, I don't think that's the case. So I've got friends who work in government who who. They, they have to work within these big constraints that big companies simply don't have. You know, the success metrics aren't simply, you know, how many military vehicles am I selling to the government or how many cans of Pepsi am I selling um, exactly. in, in, a, in a location or getting bottled or whatever. It's, it's so much more complex and convoluted than that. So I think a big factor that kind of matters more in government than it would in a private sector, in fact, maybe not the same, maybe they're quite comparable, is that, between a good and a bad organization is that is the quality of the leaders in there so what do you think are the qualities of the leaders who who inspire real change and and real investment and who are successful at driving these transformations I know earlier you mentioned stuff around communications and, and persistence but can you delve into that a little more
1: Absolutely. Let me actually just uh, add additional complexity. Let's say with the government and all of that. So yes, there is that misconception, and there's uh, some uh, some parts. It is uh, almost like uh, justifiable perception when you meet some. But that says the same. Like even in the private industry where you go, you always have the employees is the face of the organization. So uh, depend whom you met, that's how you perceive the whole organization. So that's one of the things I, I'm trying to push with my folks and we always saying, listen, we are the face of our organization. So however you act, whatever you show, it is how someone is perceiving the whole organization. So if you, as you said, you're lazy, you're slow and all of that, they're gonna say, oh my God, the government is like this. So that's inevitable. But someone might have the different experience so they're going to say, oh my God, these guys are like almost moving fast, like, like spaceships. And then that's fine too. But what I'm trying to say, not all of us are same and everything needs to be others differently. So one of the things we, we'd constrain with the government and now it's becoming maybe a good thing, like uh, tenure of the, because government always had a different way to uh, keep their employees. Okay. So either it's a, uh, some kind of good benefits that they had. Some people I really like to work for the government. So it depends where you're coming from. Uh, we have the huge tenure. So uh, with that comes, you work for something for a long time. And over the time, the change is not as frequent as in the private sector. So you're becoming less and less acceptable from the change. And by the nature, people don't accept the change like, oh my God, with open arms. So then you become kind of like change-aversive all the time, and I'm saying it's not because only only about from your personality perspective, but I'm telling about the constraints, because the change with technology is not coming as quick as in the private sector because of the many reasons. Uh, We just can take the, let's say, the cloud, government cloud versus the commercial cloud you're going to see how many of the nice stuff that you can see is available on the commercial, but the government not yet, because it needs to go to the different uh, roadmap and and, 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 and kind of like uh, validations to be accessible. So that's one. The change is not as frequent. So you can... And the second one, as you mentioned, something like what you actually can procure and how long it takes. Uh, even from that standpoint, you, you need to think why there are so many... Uh, why the procurement might be slow because there are so many validation checkpoints to ensure that the taxpayers' money are spent correctly. And from that standpoint is you are just good uh, and and financially responsible government employee, and that's all. So you take that, then you end up with the uh, older workforce who are not willing any longer to change as much as they're changing on the uh, commercial sector. Now the flip side, we are getting so many of young folks coming in because you having this like change of generations. So now I'm seeing, especially in our field, as the really good opportunity to revamp and rechange all, all all of that, so some things might be inherited from the past, uh, what we had, but right now everything is kind of moving differently, and uh, uh, nobody is any longer. Uh, I think uh, it's uh, they said five years is the uh, the the tenure, like uh, the average tenure uh, that even in the private sector and public sector are seeing. So uh, that's by the definition will not be as possible as it used to be. So I, I from that perspective i think the government will change quickly and more and more open like uh, between almost the private public sector uh, cross-pollination and the third piece that actually affects that much it's uh, uh, the piece where government outsource something completely to public sector private sector is more less and less now we see more and more almost like joint operation so it's like a partnership, like public-private uh, partnership, especially with the new technologies and everything that's coming. So the culture comes from the public sec- private sector into the public, creeping in, a, a, like employing the people like me, uh, getting more folks working on the same projects, etc. So... Uh, I think that the the whole perception will change, definitely. And again, depends like, especially on the local government. It depends on the size of the city, depends on the aspiration of the city, how much someone aspire actually to move and become the modern smart city. Let me put a couple of buzzwords too, and and be some, 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 and we know the trend. that the metropolitan area is uh, getting bigger and bigger. So definitely organization didn't end. It has not end and probably will not end for a long time. That will be the trend. Uh, Paul, I think you're on mute.
0: (laughs) You're right. Uh, I was just saying that you brought up a really good point on uh, on change aversion. And I think that's a really great way to put it because, and I'm thinking about this from a wider perspective as opposed to just like city of Virginia, Beach or government. But if someone has been writing down on a piece of paper for 20 years and now they're being told they need to do this process on a computer, the resistance comes from, that's the basics of neuroplasticity, right? That's, uh, you know, these channels that have been carved into our into our neural pathways. They're now being, there's new pathways being carved and old ones being neglected. Um, and, then, and a really good point you made as well is that and I, th- I think in some ways this is an advantage. Maybe you can, uh, you can comment on this. But when you are behind in terms of going to market, let's say, with, with digital and data, uh, that's not necessarily a disadvantage. You know, you can see private companies, the mistakes they make with implementation, the mistakes they make with privacy. Look at the the Marriott Starwood um, debacle, uh, They've just been fine. Imagine if that came out of taxpayers' money. You know, p- people wouldn't be very happy about that. Uh, so I, what do you think that that's an advantage actually following, um, following, following industry as opposed to leading industry? Do you, do you, do you, can you see some advantages or disadvantages to that?
1: No, absolutely. And as I said, it shouldn't be seen as the disadvantage. Uh, those are just constraints put by the reason for some reasons, So they, they, they exist for the reasons. And I'm, I'm now sitting on this side and I understand why. And I appreciate them. And uh, as you said, like uh, doesn't necessarily uh, the, the, the what's the uh, kind of like leapfrog kind of that happened. Like uh, the first market leader doesn't have to be uh, the, the best one. When it comes, to the same it's with, with the government. And they, and we do the, the things that I see in the government perspective that's kind of developing a little bit more, more and more. We see more and more gatherings, sharing of the ideas, uh, cities being more competitive. So I'm always good for the healthy competition. I, I, I said, listen, I mean, like I'm competitive. I understand the people don't want to be, but I understand the people who want to be competitive. So depends how I, I believe in healthy competition competitive if that's the world so uh if we start exchanging the idea we start promoting or like each other we start like uh, uh feeling uh uh how to put this like many of the government employees uh those are like people they're saying this is my job uh everything that i say I, I, I uh to promote themselves was kind of you know like uh is that guy is talking only about himself you know it's like not popular thought it's like kind of team and the team spirit should be pretty pretty big because because uh, uh i mean like this these guys spend like a long long uh tenure with one organization and uh, for that reason uh, that the whole uh trust the whole, how they perceive the organization is part of them. So it's the, so it's like, hey, it's City of Virginia Beach. And I'll give you one example of this one. So basically, and I thought I, I like innovation, and 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 now it's come like you don't have to be the first, and uh, maybe not even the one using the uh, bleeding edge technology to be innovative. So I like innovation when it's something simple but usable, and uh, you you like kind of like oh my god, how I didn't thought of this before because it's so simple, and you were like it's just before me. How is that? So one of the one of the story goes like this: We have something, and uh, I will make that as short as possible. Uh, for for uh, people just to understand a little bit that there is some part of the city and they call them shared right away where uh, you can, it is something shared. So those are for the poles, those are for lightnings, those are for uh, putting uh, something uh, uh, from the vendor, uh, 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 I'm sorry, from, a, from a, a supplier's perspective. And I will take poles, light poles a good example and if the city is not well managed and you might see if it's there's no coordination in that you might see uh, two three poles next to each other and almost like an eyesore for the city so city actually needs to take good care of that and think. and as a matter of fact it's a complete operational inefficiency. On the other side, when someone is now building that light pole, the others might see that as the perfect real estate. Many things: sensors, proliferation of sensors, uh, the the five uh, uh, G. Now everybody wants to put that somewhere in the city. So uh, in the US cities is a little bit different than European cities. I'm coming from Europe and I know some of them are actually utilizing the big buildings and uh, someone within the big buildings just signed. And then on the rooftop of that building, you see like, all of that happening. So in the states where we especially suburban cities a little bit different. So that's one of the the kind of like real estate. So in some long story short we needed to do some third party almost like validation of the polls. So someone is charging someone for the poll and someone needs to go and validate that there is the light poll here and there. So they would hire someone that someone, third party, to be completely objective, needs to sit in the car, they get the list of the poles, they skid the neighborhood, they take the picture and they say, yes, it is the light pole or no, it's, there's no light pole there. Then necessity, you know, it's the mother of in- invention, uh, COVID hit, everybody start digitalizing. So my team digitalized all the maps that we have. So our maps are digitalized and suddenly we got requests for this one, someone needs to drive. And since we now empowered folks to be more kind of like to promote themselves, to promote what they do, if they do have the idea, bring it up, don't wait. So they talked with the vendors and all of that and they said, what you actually doing? And the guy explained and they're like, hold on. So what they did, they just dropped google street views on the digital maps so someone from the home can just click and say oh yeah it is Paul because they're taking those with a date when the actually streetcar went so a lot of things from the google that they can actually exploit but it was like in my it, it was ingenious mm-hmm. and that now became the talk among why I'm now sharing how the other So they are connected with the other municipalities, first locally, where they said, you know what, guys, if someone comes, you just build this. So they start exchanging their ideas. So uh, being, that, you know, like uh, we are part of the community, we compete a little bit, but there is no monetary on any other, but just, you know, uh, as I said, not tap on the back, but saying, I did it. It's kind of like, and they, we should take the pride. So just uh, letting the people taking the pride in what they do and being acknowledged by the peers, it's the best reward you can get.
0: And and that's a, a good point. Uh, you mentioned that obviously you've had this experience in, in the private sector. Do you find that, and this is a very subjective question, so do, do you feel more invested in your role as a citizen of the city of Virginia beach and as a resident, as a taxpayer, as opposed to say a previous roles, or, or what you might be at a private company.
1: As a data oh, leader. Uh, oh, I do. I can tell you that for sure. Oh, I do. I didn't mind that before, let's say, but right now I can be re- really critical too. So uh, appreciative, critical and, 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 and that. So I do challenge myself, uh, my fellow residents, uh, people working in the same organization, sometimes where we do leverage this and saying, you know guys, what guys, uh, we are the taxpayers too. So uh, you, you see it, you say it, and uh, let's bring it up. And uh, especially let's put it this way, uh, what we love and we did. It's like where the money goes, cause the money is always the talk. Money is, uh, money is the talk always everybody's putting out, oh yeah, but. Let's see. So that's one of the things like uh, I appreciate working for the city, giving me opportunity to be the part of everything that happened at the same time, living with the city. And by the way, I love Virginia Beach and and I always said, listen guys, this is where I put my family. I moved. It was my choice. I fell in love with this. I like uh, uh, how everything is set up, organized, structured. I know that I'm paying for that, but I don't mind. I actually perceive that as the bigger value what I'm getting. So when I see that something is going off what I don't like, I already know the ways how kind of like to leverage the data and do something, especially from the open data perspective. The other one is like you learn how you can leverage many offerings that city has from the parks and recs, especially who loves it, because we are big on this. So all of that is kind of coming and 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 us uh working and living in the city is a really great opportunity and i'm i know that uh, many share the same sentiment too
0: that's awesome and where do you see the biggest opportunity for the, in data for the city of virginia beach right now say over the next 12 months
1: so but the biggest opportunity is something that we started, and it's one of the biggest uh, game changer in the in the whole uh, adoption of the data as the is the kind of data driven culture from the data driven culture perspective. So we recently uh, our partner uh, developed a wholly new office uh, where we introduced uh, performance stats, something called performance stats. Uh, I know when I said that I came from the private sector and that was something even you didn't even establish, you found it. So it's kind of like... Uh, when you when you figure it out that you don't have that within the departments, when you ask them what's your success, how you measure your success, now we're going back to the story. But what's actually important to the residents, rather than what you feel it's important, then that's completely different narrative. People did measure before, but now right now we have the whole effort where we are from the uh, have the different offices engaging the, the stakeholders. Uh, from companies businesses to residents what they find important and how we can kind of like from our city perspective see if we are working toward what's important for the residents and businesses so each and every department are going through that transformation right now we play a huge part in it uh, I think uh, I feel that my office prepared the, the organization pretty well uh, as I said we're running the same race but not at the same pace the first step Uh, we did was we call that data academy. Uh, We open up something where we're going to empower and actually upskill the folks in the data with the tools, skills, and all of that because that was non-existent before. So that's one of my kind of like biggest pride that I take. It's like being like having that data academy in and from that data academy, we actually have that data smart collective, 300 plus people, strong group who are, every time, upskill themselves, mm. keep themselves up to date, whatever new is coming, big change, we chat about it and, and kind of like uh, organize the tones or hackathons, however you call it, uh, challenging with the new data sets to break the silos and all of that. So, but right now coming from the, that was bottom up and right now we top down initiative with the performance where now something needs to be measured and we never, we didn't do that beforehand because we really wanted first to upskill the people who are will work with the data before someone start asking them for the data, if that makes sense. So the first was like, let's upskill them bottom up. Then now we feel really comfortable pushing down that they will be able and capable to actually deliver what they are asked.
0: And I have just one more question for you. I've had a really fun time today and, and I've taken a ton of notes. Oh, yes. um, what recommendations and advice would you give to data leaders today?
1: Uh, the the only recommendation I could have, and I, we all share the same, it's like uh, just stay in touch. Uh, sometimes uh, when you lead, and you, I like leading by example, uh, how everything is changing and how quickly, uh, everything changes. Some of the practices and uh, their standard, I, I don't think they will change that much, but the approach to many things are actually changing. Uh, the society is changing, the, the demand is changing, that the way you consume something is changing. And the best way, it's like just to keep in touch and be involved in the, some projects like hands on. So, for example, I would never go out and say, listen guys, we should do something unless I am involved almost as the equal partner and doing something, being even assigned that might be even the, the just taking the requirements from the standpoint of taking requirements and being actively involved in some project just to understand, to get a pulse uh, from both how people are doing, what's happening out there. So I, I would say uh, this industry is still evolving uh we are not there yet i know there's a huge talk but we are not there yet as the some well established functions that we have because we're still kind of trying to find our place and that needs to be something that we need to stay still uh, on the pulse and just checking out what's happening so
0: Bayon, i've i've had a really great time great conversation thank you for coming on the show and we'll be in touch soon i'm really looking forward to getting this one out there
1: Hey, Paul. It was my pleasure. Uh, I hope I kind of shared something uh, really useful for the people outside. Uh, I do appreciate this type of the uh, education. I always said education, sharing the thoughts is the same. Like uh, now we're sharing our data in just different format and the information is out there and uh, I really enjoy the talk as well. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great day. You too. Thank you.